From the EPR Creations Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you Unconquered with Doc Staples. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by EPR Creations, by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, by Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, by Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida, and by my newest advertising partner, Justin Galloway of Benchmark Mortgage. As always, information's in the show notes. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast with Doc Staples. Whew. Well, that was the game that I was worried about. That's the game that I've been warning and I've been worrying and warning about for the past month. And it really all just comes down to survive and advance. Survive and advance. 10 weeks into the season, you're still 10 and 0. That's really 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 hard to do everybody. And I think the first thing that everybody listening to this show should should be thinking and the first order of business is gratitude for the opportunity to watch a team that is still unbeaten 10 games into the season and has a win over one of your core rivals. And really, if you count Clemson as a key rival, I mean, they're certainly a conference rival at this point. You got two wins over key rivals. Yeah, so number one, no matter no matter anything else, this team has accomplished a great deal to this point in the season. And maintaining the level of consistency to win 10 games in a row in the same season, and remember, this is not 10 games in a row this season, or not just 10 games in a row this season. They also finished last season on a tear. So you go back to last season, they haven't lost since Clemson last season. This program has now won 16 games in a row. That's from where Florida State was even two years ago, three years ago. That is absolutely remarkable. It is incredible. The job that Mike Norvell and that staff have done putting together a team that now has won 16 games in a row is going to make it 17 against North Alabama has a very good chance of going into the, into Florida and and beating that Florida team on their home turf. It's also going to be a tough game, but could be 18 and 18 games in a row at the end of this, at the end of this regular season, going into an opportunity to win your first ACC title in quite a while. So the first thing to talk about is is that. The second thing to talk about is any win over Miami or Florida should be celebrated and should be... Uh, <laughs> don't look a gift horse in the mouth too much. <laughs> right? You, beat, you just beat Miami. That's another year of bragging rights over your core rival. You did it in front of a great environment, in front of a bunch of recruits showcasing the freaks that you have and how you you scheme to get those guys the football, showcasing a physical and and aggressive style of defense that allows its corners and its safeties to play on an island. And, you know, basically your your pitch is, look, we could be even better with you guys out there, you guys who are top top 50 recruits, you guys who are top five recruits. 
We could be even better because look, look at how we feature you guys like you. That's a huge, huge program win, even though it was closer than it needed to be. And in many respects, Florida State got outplayed for significant portions of this football game. There's, there's no doubt about that. Miami, in my view, won probably a quarter and a half of this game, if not a little bit more. But even despite that, you never really had the feeling that Miami was going to win this game. You had the feeling that they could. And that, you know, it was nervy at different points. But Florida State always seemed certain things, certain certain things came a little bit easier for Florida State in this game than Miami. Miami was was battling uphill pretty much the whole game. And that's despite controlling the line of scrimmage for significant portions of this football game. So core stuff thinking about this game in terms of how the how the game actually flowed. I think a, a major part of this game was that Miami played this game to keep it close. I, I think that's absolutely evident. The goal for Miami was, and, and I have to say, they this, these were good decisions by their coaching staff. The goal for Miami was eliminate turnovers and shorten the football game using the, the biggest advantages you've got, the, the strengths of your team, which is line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, Take advantage of as much as you can in terms of the line of scrimmage, shorten the game, don't turn it over, and try to hang close enough to where you've got a chance down the stretch. That's what they did. And that was that was the game that Florida State did not want to get into in this game. I mean, you go back to my preview, and I said, look, Florida State, absolutely, if they come out and they score early, they get up 14, 17, 21 points on this team after scoring a couple times in the first quarter, you know, you come into the second quarter, 14, nothing. This is a Florida state Miami game where Florida state could win 45 to 10 without question. They're better, but I, and this was the other side of it. This is absolutely a Miami team that could beat Florida state 27, 24, you know, 24, 21. That's what we talked about on the pregame. That's what we talked about in the, in the, in the game preview. And Florida State got dragged into that slugfest, the the body blows type game, where it was decided 27-20. That's the that's the area that that Miami was gonna have a chance. And Florida State still won that game, still managed to win a game where it was not in the com- in their comfort zone in terms of the kind of game that they wanted to play. And that again, good teams really good teams win games that are not that that force them to play a, diff, a little bit of a different style they win games against teams that force them into things that they that they're less comfortable with and Miami was able to do that to Florida State today and again you, Miami I think up front was largely the better team in this game you and I think the the the, the numbers bear that out you look here in terms of average per rush, Miami averaged 3.9 yards per carry, Florida State 1.8. I mean, that's that's significant. Sack-adjusted rush, rush yardage average is a little closer because FSU gave up a bunch of sack yardage. 4.6 yards per carry for Miami, 3.4 yards per carry for Florida State. 
And that's what kept this game close. But, and, and Miami did a good job of pressuring Jordan Travis so much that he was not able to do some of the things that he normally does in the passing game because he didn't have the time to get the, the football off or to get it off within his comfort zone. And I did think Travis did not play especially well in this game. He didn't play his best game. This was like a B minus or a B game for Jordan Travis. But the thing is, that just shows you how high the bar is, how high he's raised the bar for his level of play at Florida State the last couple of years. Because this was a good enough performance to win this game. And when it came down to it, the difference at quarterback was a major factor in why Florida State walked away winners and Miami didn't. Emory Williams is 8 of 23 for 175 yards, of which 85 was on one play to Jacoby George, where it was just an absolutely abysmal, atrocious angle taken by the safety, Kevin Knowles. And, you know, I had someone text me uh, after this, after the game saying, well, you know, Knowles was single-handedly responsible uh, for 14 points. And I think that's a bit of a stretch, but he didn't play well. He did not play well. Uh, he had a couple key plays, though. That's the thing. Even though he didn't play well, and even though you know I, he was pretty much fully responsible for that 85-yarder, which should have been an interception, he still made a, a key play that led to a fourth down in terms of coming off the edge, making the play as a pass rusher. He still made a few plays in run support, still did some things. So, you know, survive. There, that 85-yarder did have some shades of the uh, the old Minneapolis miracle, uh, the the game between the Saints and the uh, and the uh, the Vikings, where you saw the safety take an absolutely terrible angle and and just whiff on on digs with no time left. So I mean, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was it was not much better in terms of the angle, and you just have to be better at safety there. And that's something that coming out of this game, I know that that. There are there there was some frustration with not getting a few stops here and there where they had a chance. Florida State, if they can just get their safety play to where they want it to be or closer to where they want it to be, this defense is really pushing on the elite level. But the safety play has been an Achilles heel all year. Uh, Dent still needs to get healthier, which, you know, by playoff time, if they're able to make the playoff by playoff time, that should happen. I did notice that early in the game, they uh, they 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 did get Hussey they did get Hussey out there. He he made he had a couple plays early. Uh, what first quarter, even I think second quarter as well. Uh, wound up with two total tackles, but he also had a couple plays where it was pretty clear that he was a little bit jittery out there and was just a beat slow on recognition. And you know he had the one play where he kind of got run over a little bit by the quarterback, and if he'd recognized sort of what was happening there and come downhill and made the tackle. You get off the field there. There were a couple plays where he was just a little jittery and you could see they, they, they pulled him off the field at that point, but he's got to be, I think a big part of the, of, of the plan for the remainder of, of the season is trying to get him ready so that by the time you're in the playoff, I think he's starting to get a lot more of those reps as the third safety. You have to, you have to, just because of the physicality, because of the ability, the speed to get over the top, and just the discipline and some of those, some of those angles, I think that's going to have to happen. But again, if you look at the overall game, Miami couldn't throw the football. I mean, Jacoby George had five catches, 
for 153 yards. That 85-yarder skews everything. But beyond that, Jacoby Young had those two back shoulders toward the end and then incompletion on the next back shoulder. Rashard Smith had two catches for 18 yards, and then Isaiah Horton had one for four. They could not throw, throw the football. Florida State made them one-dimensional and made them one-dimensional in the running game. Interestingly, exactly what Miami wanted to do, but then they were able to basically let that front go. Once it was clear that they couldn't get space, that they that they couldn't uh that their receivers could not separate against FSU's DBs with any sort of consistency, FSU got super aggressive. And I thought this was a very good game plan from Adam Fuller and and the defensive staff in terms of the uh in, in terms of the overall approach. Especially once it was clear that Emory Williams was going to be the going to be the quarterback. With Van Dyke, you don't really want to to blitz him a bunch because that can clarify things. And and if he's standing back there and knows exactly where he wants to go and can set his feet and sling it, the guy's got a got a good good arm and and can be pretty accurate at times. So you want to you want to kind of make him think and and drop guys under cover underneath his throws. You, some of the stuff we talked about, and we talked about how that wasn't really a great fit for what Florida state has been doing defensively this season. Well, with Emory Williams, it's a totally different ball game. He's a guy you want to speed up the processing. You want to get him moving faster and having to throw against tight coverage. Well, that's what they were able to do. And eventually they just amped up the the pressure. And I, I don't have the, the actual pressure numbers in front of me right now in terms of how many pressures they actually had. Let me see if I can find them. So the official numbers only have three hurries and two sacks for for FSU there, but but they, there was more overall pressure than that in terms of the uh, the number of plays that they affected in the backfield, and um and they had eight pass breakups. I mean that's very very tight on the back end. That's excellent coverage, and FSU at this point is as I talked about before, they're pushing on elite territory as a pass coverage defense. They're really one safety, that third safety away from being an elite coverage defense. And I thought Azaria Thomas today had an absolutely outstanding game. He, he, he as the third corner coming in and rotating in, and, and I think he played actually more in this game than, than uh, Fentrell Cypress did. And I thought he outplayed Cypress on the whole. Uh, I thought he was excellent and, and played very, very well. There were a couple plays. There's one screen in particular he could have uh, attacked a little bit better. Uh, on the first uh, Jacoby George screen. But beyond that, I mean, the guy played really well. But you look at this game and it was it was it was the game that Miami wanted to play. And it was much more even than what you know you would hope if you're Florida State. Miami 5.2 yards per play, Florida State 5.2 yards per play. Total plays, Miami 64, Florida State 62. FSU would like that play count to be closer to the high 70s in this game. This game was played at Miami's pace. And at Miami's tempo. But again, the difference in this game, and this is precisely what we talked about in the in the preview. The difference in this game ultimately came down to you have both teams throwing a bunch of body blows. You have both teams doing a whole lot of uh uh of Sorry, I'm, I, I see in the background uh, North Carolina is having their um, their senior day right now, and one of my one of the players I coached in high school is is having his senior day. So, sorry, it just took me a moment uh, getting a little bit uh, 
little emotional as I watch that. So give me just a moment. Um, good for him. Guy got a got a, got a perfect score on his uh, either SAT or ACT. What a, what an amazing uh, student as well as, as as an athlete. Really uh, really proud of him. That's uh, Chris uh, Christopher uh, Holiday. Anyway, sorry, uh, you all probably not interested in that at all, but I right now uh, have other things in the background as I'm doing this this hot takes episode. So a little stream of consciousness here, and that uh, definitely distracted me a little bit. But um, anyway, uh, the difference in this game, as we talked about, it's a body blow game. It's a, a, a the kind of game Florida State did not want to get into. The difference in the game is Florida State had the freaks, and Miami didn't. Florida State had Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, and Trey Benson. And Miami doesn't have anybody like that. And, you know, Jordan Travis, the other thing is Jordan Travis was good enough and didn't put the ball in danger. Now, I do think that probably should have been a safety. The the, the whole play turns on whether or not you count where the ball is at initial contact or whether you, you know, take into account that he's actually moving backwards of his own volition uh, before that initial contact. It's a defensible call. I I probably would have called a safety there though. Uh, Otherwise, you know, a couple of calls went against FSU that I thought should have gone the other direction, but this was a game where, you know, a a series of breaks, you talk about the non officiating breaks, quite a few breaks went Miami's way, just bounces of the football and, uh, you know, you think about getting a ball that sneaks through t- the two guys' arms for 85 yards, just different things. There were enough little things that were going right for Miami where, you know, it's just like, oh, man, like, you know, is this just one of those where the football gods just don't want you to win? But again, the difference in this game, Florida State had Johnny Wilson, Florida State had Keon Coleman, and Florida State had Trey Benson. Keon Coleman in particular. And I know that, you know, some people have questioned, you know, do you really want Keon Coleman back there fielding punts, you know, with as dangerous as that job is? Do you want to take that risk? Well, (laughs) I think you saw on this one why you why you do that. It's the same reason that Peter Warwick used to do it. You got your best receiver. Yeah, a little bit more of an injury risk to put him out there on special teams. But that's the payoff is a game changing play where he flips the field and puts you in position to score a essentially clinching touchdown. That's the difference that that kind of guy makes. And yeah, four for 24 yards doesn't, it's not a stat line that's going to jump out at you, but that touchdown was a, was a contested catch that not a bunch of guys make. And again, made a huge special teams play to change the game for you. Ja'Kai Douglas also with a long, with a long play there, and that's that's one of those plays where the gravity of the guy outside him helps. And all of a sudden you've got a safety in a different in the in the wrong position and he's able to get upfield for for a long play. I'm actually surprised that he didn't score on that. I thought he'd house that one, but uh Kitchens Kitchens is a little faster than I than I thought he was. Uh impressive to to actually track Douglas down there. But I thought this was a good plan overall from FSU staff on the whole, but there were just a number of things where guys just got tripped up just a little bit before they could make it into a huge play. I mean, I'm thinking in particular of Toafili had one run uh, early in the early going where it was just a shoestring away from hitting for probably a score. Uh, Jaheim Bell had one where on a screen, it, the, the Red Sea was parting, and if he'd seen it just a split second earlier and cut 
off of the proper foot, he doesn't end up going down and that could turn into, you know, a really long play. There were a few of those for FSU that just did not quite hit. And then of course the, 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 um, the onside kick was, a, was a risk and it was a risk that I think was a good risk to take. If you look at how Miami sets up their, their, uh, their kickoff return, they have that side sort of coming back towards the middle of the field really early. And FSU had that set up so well. The scheme on that was so good. I mean, I've, I've designed and run quite a few onside kicks over the years. And we had, we, we got a couple of them when I was, when I was coaching in high school, uh, you know, there's a, there's an art to it, to seeing, okay, they like to do this. This guy likes to come back just a little early. If we end up with a, with a onside, we're going right here this week and here's how we're doing it. We're going to practice it a few times and get that right. It was the scheme on that was so good. Hat tip to, uh, Papuchis and, and Norvell and the whole staff, whoever was involved in that, because man, was that good. Problem is that the three guys on the front line who are supposed to be blocking there, essentially, once once they get across the ten yard uh, mark, there they're just supposed to run interference, and nobody got sufficiently in the way of Frank Ladson. And if they just gotten in his way, you're just running a screen there. It was perfectly timed. It was everything was right, and all of a sudden you've stolen a possession. Instead, they gave up great field position, and you know that's that. But like I said, that was I I, I love the way that that Mike Norvell calls the game and the aggressiveness that he plays with the guy coaches to win football games. He does not coach not to lose. You're in a position where it's tied with your rival 10 all and you're kicking off in the third quarter and you kick an onside kick, a surprise onside kick there. You, you are not playing not to lose there. You're playing to win that game. And they gave up a field goal. You go down there at that point, you're down in the game but again, you're communicating, you're communicating your team. Like, I believe in you guys. I just want to steal an extra possession. So we've got an extra opportunity and I believe in my defense that we can keep them out of the end zone. And they did. So yeah, I just, that's one where if you're watching that as, as the coaching staff tonight and you see the, you see the way that that opened up in the scheme and everything and where the, where the kick was located and everything, everything was just exactly as you had had seen on film. It was exactly as you'd hoped and you didn't get it just because of a a little mistake in, in execution from the, from the three screeners up front, essentially, man, that's frustrating. But you know, you had a chance to really take, take hold of that game there. Uh, But after that, they did ultimately take control of the football game. And, and that's this game changed after they tied it up and then forced a three and out and then drove the field for it for a score. And all of a sudden they're up 20 to 10 or 20 to 13. And once they were up a score, you could kind of feel the pressure lift a little bit at that point, they're up a score in the third quarter. And I thought there was a palpable sort of lifting of the pressure. You could see these guys. Okay. We, we got them now. Like they're not going to be able to go ahead of us. Now we're, we're in the driver's seat and you could see the defense really go on the attack. And that's when they forced two more three, uh, three and outs. And that's when you got the Keon Coleman punt return, gave you a crack at it from the 10-yard line, and then he finished it off with that contested catch in the end zone. And that was that was the ball game. Put the ball, they put the game away, 
in that middle of the third quarter through the early fourth quarter stage. And then really what you would have liked to have seen is for them to manage to, to keep the foot on the accelerator and execute better up front so that they could finish this game out. And the thing is, Mike Norvell was not taking that foot off the accelerator. This was not a situation where they didn't they didn't do what was necessary schematically to to walk away with this game. The the issue was that they just didn't execute on on the offensive front and also, you know, pitching and catching. That was the the primary problem. They they really needed to to handle that business up front better and Miami went on the attack and you got to give Gidry and that Miami that Miami staff and the whole Miami defense credit for what they did on that uh on the last two drives there where they forced a three and out and then uh six and out where Florida State only gained 19 yards and they did it with with heavy pressure and I, I thought FSU could have could have had a few a little bit better answers there but it really came down to uh to execution I mean they gave up an a gap rusher where your pass protection has a double read from the from the uh from the running back where he reads a gap to a gap to outside and he saw the outside blitzers and gravitated towards the outside blitzers and gave up the free Mike backer up the a you just cannot let anybody you know if you're if you are the back or if you're if you're the offense you cannot let anybody come up the a that is absolutely the that's the worst thing for for a passer for an offense you you can you you allow that outside pressure because the quarterback can handle that but anybody coming up the a has to be has to be blown up that has to be that you have to be there in protection and uh Toafili just missed it on that uh and again that was a situation where i think they had a guy that would have would have come open there uh they showed the end zone view i i haven't looked at it closely enough to see who it was but there, there was somebody that was going to come open and travis had a chance to extend that drive but th- they did a great job in terms of applying pressure in key spots and i thought in the first half travis sort of underestimated the speed at different points in terms of uh of the overall um, pursuit and, you know, gave up a a couple plays there that he shouldn't have. Uh, And then in the second half, they just, they got a lot of pressure and FSU is going to have to clean this up because they will play against other teams down the line that are going to try to do the same things. Louisville defensively does a lot of the same stuff that Miami does. Michigan, if they play Michigan, Michigan is a bad matchup for this Florida state team because they will do all the things that Miami did tonight and they do them better. <laughs> they do them all a good bit better. And they have an NFL quarterback as well, not making mistakes under center. Michigan is probably the team. If you're if you're Florida State, you don't want to play Michigan and you probably don't want to play Alabama. Those are the teams that you don't want to play most at this stage of the season based on what those two teams bring to the table and, and the personnel and all of that. But you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to learn how to deal with some of the pressure looks and some of those things a little bit better and handle that stuff better in terms of blitz pickup in terms of some of the offensive line communication and, and handling twists in games and all of that just a little better by the time you play Louisville and, and Florida will do some of it as well. But again, all of this is nitpicking. All of this is, you know, basically picking apart a beauty pageant contestant because you just beat your rival for the third year in a row to go 10 and 0 and to extend your win streak to 16. So 
I don't know if I can wrap it with anything better than that. I mean, this is just, uh, yeah, I, I, there's a lot that you can coach out of this, a lot of things that you can clean up from this. But once again, when you've got the dudes, when you've got the, the cheat code type players like Coleman and Wilson, Trey Benson, guys who change the scoreboard with big plays, that gives you a chance in every game. I do think Travis is going to have to to play a little better than this. And, and again, I'm not saying he played badly. He didn't play badly. But he's going to have to play a game level to beat some of the teams that they're going to face down the stretch if they're able to win the ACC. But yeah, you just beat your rival to go 10-0 and 0 in a game where you didn't play at your best. That's pretty good. And now you get a chance to play your second FCS team in a row and almost certain to go 11-0 as a result. So that'll do. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen to podcasts, post and repost episodes on social media, and tell a friend. And if you haven't left a review in a while, do it again. It really does help the visibility of the podcast. Before we go, I'd also like to thank my advertising partners once more. That's EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida, and Justin Galloway of Benchmark Mortgage, serving Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. You can also stop by the Unconquered shop at unconqueredpodcast.com where you can buy stickers, pins, magnets, t-shirts, and other swag. And thanks also to all those supporters over at Patreon where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast. I am especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Neil Cook, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Dave Blair, Hector Cartagena, Jack Horton, Jimmy Van, Jonathan Kennedy, Keith Cheney, Lee Caswell, Tyler Kashishke, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. You all are far more generous than I deserve. I'm really grateful. Thanks to you all. This has been Unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I made this. <laughs>